Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. We're going to begin in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Does anybody feel weak today? Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Turn your neighbor and say, I'm weak. Turn your other one and say, I'm weak. Is there anybody that's been going through trials lately? Or is it just me? Am I the only one? So, okay, so I'm in the right place at the right time, right? We've been going through some stuff. Since the whole beginning of the year, we went to Cape Town, we experienced trials, we experienced stuff. You know, the devil is mad at our ministry. And we've been going through some persecution, some different things. But you know what? God's ways are higher than our ways. Whenever we read this portion of Scripture, we see a sense of strangeness about the processes of God. Because when you look at it, you think, what the heck is going on here? Why do I got to become weak to become strong? Why do I got to go through this to get to that place, to get to that vision, that calling that God has got given for my life? See, when Paul wrote this, he was at the height of his ministry, at the point of revival. Things were happening. People were being saved left and right. Wherever he went, there was miracles, signs, and wonders. He was at a point of great revival in his ministry. But here he says, I got a thorn. I'm going through something here. It's a process. So if you're going through something in your life today, I want you to know it's part of God's process within your life. Can I get an amen? amen. See, he finds himself going through great trials. See, it's our nature not to comprehend the way God works through us, with us, and even in us. We don't understand why God does the things he does. But we will never become strong unless we go through these trials of life, until we get these thorns in our life, until we go through something in our life. Life is not an easy street. You know, I've been dealing with back pain since the beginning of the year. January 3rd, I was bedridden for like seven weeks, couldn't even get out of bed. And I went to this doctor the other day, supposed to be a spine surgeon, right? And I've still been going through back pains. And, and he's a young dude, looked like he'd never been through a trial in his life. And he looks at me, and he goes, you don't look like you're in that much pain. You know, I started dropping fruit. I'm looking around, my fruit's hitting the ground. And I'm thinking, I'm looking at this young dude, and I'm going, <laughs> I'm just looking at him. I go, did you look at the MRI? He goes, yeah, I see a herniated disc, and I see... The nerves are where they come out of the spine are being pinched, but you're not in that much pain. And I'm looking at I've been going through this for six months. And the flesh, I mean, sometimes we revert. We don't really do it. We think about it sometimes. And then we've got to repent. My, my flesh wanted to go, let me show you some pain and crack his back. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I just said, okay, thank you very much, and I walked out. Then I called my other doctor. I said, this guy don't know what he's talking about. But see, we have been given a thorn in our flesh. Whatever it is for you, whatever it is for you, it might be a different thorn. I don't know. God knows. You know the thorn that God has given you. But whatever it is, God is going to use it for his honor and his glory. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. See, I believe God is excited when he brings power out of weakness. I think that gets God excited. 
Because all of a sudden, man, we're the, if you look at our ministry, Victory Outreach, how many know? When we came in, we were the worst of the worst. Some of it, I was. Worst of the worst. You can never amount to anything. God could never use your life. You're this, you're that, you're all these stuff. But then God said, no, 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 that's not who you are. You're my kid. I'm going to put something on your life. You may have had thorns in your life. You might go through some more thorns in your life. But I got a plan and a purpose. I'm taking your weakness and I'm going to bring power out of it. That's why I love our ministry. You see the haves that never had anything, can't do nothing but rob, steal, lie, and cheat. All of a sudden, they're preachers of the gospel. They're missionaries going here, going there, all over the world. We get ladies off the street. They become pastors' wives. Come on. Can I get an amen, somebody? God is moving in our ministry because we're weak. We know it. We know there's nothing we can do without Christ. It's simple math. Are you with me? See, great spiritual power but there was still a thorn in the life of Paul. Great faith, but weak faith. A distraction that constantly allowed Paul and showed Paul that even in the power of a crucified life, there was still weakness. He was still weak. So it is with the thorns that come our way. See, the thorns have the potential of shaping our lives. That's why God threw back the towel, Pastor Toby. I'm not done. Get sweat, get some blood on there too. We're not done. See, Paul was quick to share in this scripture that we read that 14 years earlier, he was given what? Great revelation. See, he was at a place in his life where he was close to God, where he was communicating with God, that God was touching his life. If we look back 14 years in the life of Paul, it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it would be the stoning at Derby and Lystra. That's when he got the revelation, after the greatest trial in his life. Now remember, when they knew how to stone folks back then. It wasn't with a bong, amen. <laughs> when they stoned you back then, it was with big rocks. They'd take you outside the city and they throw you down a little embankment, and then they start throwing stones at you and pile stones on you until you're dead. They were very good at it. He wasn't injured. He was dead. But God raised him up in his greatest trial and gave him the greatest revelation of his life in the middle of his biggest trial. So whenever you're going through something in your life, you have to understand that God is doing it for a purpose and a reason. See, at the place of pain, that's where he saw the third heaven, at the place of pain. That's where God revealed the great mysteries to him. It was so awesome that Paul didn't even share what he saw. Maybe there wasn't words to express it, I don't know. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him, what was that great revelation? He'll probably say, you're here. I don't know. I'm speculating. But because of this great experience in his life, this great revelation, he also received a thorn. He also got a thorn. Whenever God reveals something about himself, you better get ready. A thorn's coming. Whenever God uses your life, get ready. A thorn is going to come. It's going to happen. See, when we look at the word thorn, we have a basic understanding of what a thorn is. Because if you look at a rose, you see thorns on the side, right? I remember when we pioneered San Pedro Laguna in the Philippines. My wife had an all-girl band. Our worship team, I should say, all-girl band. It was a worship team, but it was all ladies. And I would get up there to preach, and it would be all women behind me on the instruments. And I felt like the thorn among the roses. That was a thorn. <laughs> Amen? But Paul was not talking about something small, something that would just prick you a little bit or hurt for a while or distract you at different times within the walk. No, he wasn't talking about that. Because the Greek word you used here is skalops, 
Which, and the definition of the word is something pointed, sharp, even the presence of a stake. And I'm not talking T-bone. Amen. Also, it meant something that causes severe pain and distraction and constant irritation. See, so we're not sure what it was. We don't know if it was a physical thorn. We don't know if it was a, a emotional thorn. We don't know if it was a spiritual thorn. We don't know. But every one of us have one of those three. It's operating in our life, whether we like to admit it or we don't want to admit it. We've all faced them, we have them, or we're going to face them. Because that's part of life. That's part of being a Christian, a man or a woman of God. Are you guys with me this morning? See, it was something that Paul could never get rid of. He could never get relief of. It was incurable. It was a weakness. It was a distraction that would, he would carry all the way to the grave. He would carry it with him to the grave. So there may be thorns in our life that we will never get rid of. That we're always going to have. They're always going to be present. They're always going to be there. But God's grace is sufficient. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's grace is sufficient. See, here's the beauty of thorns. Thorns are an invitation to courage. They're an invitation. God said, here's a thorn. I'm going to make you courageous. Here's a trial. I'm going to make you courageous. Here's a trial. I got a plan for your life. Here's a trial. I got a destiny for you. Take this thorn. Don't avoid it. See, until a thorn marks my life, I'm just a shell of what God desires to do. Are you guys with me today? Is that why it's so quiet you're feeling it? That's okay. It's all right. Because let me tell you, man, when, when God begins to mark you and allow marks to come into your life by these thorns, it changes you. It changes everything about you. You're no longer the same. It changes your outlook, your inlook. It changes everything. Your relationship with God, your relationship with people. Everything begins to change when you're going through something. But how do you go through it? Are you going to let God use it or the enemy use it? See, it's an invitation to courage. See, at the turning point of Paul's life, there was Satan to harass him, to annoy him, to depress him, and even to hurt him, even try to kill him. But what he found out, the thorn brings with it the evil of pain, but also the good of pain. It can be evil, it can be good. Listen, Satan will leave some people alone because he doesn't fear them. They're no threat to him. So that's why some people really might not even get bothered by the devil. They might not get be bothered by the enemy because they're going the same direction. But you know, when you're going through some stuff, when you're going through the fire, you're going through the fight, you understand the devil is attacking you for a reason, because you're a threat. You're a threat against him and against his kingdom. We're pulling treasures out of darkness here. He don't like that. He gets upset with that. See, there are some that Satan can constantly annoy, oppose, and even try to stop their impact in the world. But we're not going to take it because we know that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, no matter what. See, the devil fears the result of our lives getting entirely on track with God. The enemy fears that. Because, man, when you're on track with God, he knows he has no power over you. He has no power over All he can do is throw something our way, but we get right by it. Because we're on track. We're following God. We're ready to fight. We know what to do. We got our spiritual disciplines in order. We got our church relationships in order. Our family relationships. All the relationships around us. We're in order. We're tight. We're moving forward. We're fighting the good fight. That's when you're a threat. Are you with me? He fears that. He hates that. See, but I want you to understand something today. 
In the process of thorn bearing, as with all tribulation, God's hand is in it, just like Satan's hand can be in it. In Job 2.3, it says this, When the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and upright man. One who fears God and shuns evil. And still he holds fast to his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Even though the devil tried to use this to destroy him, God says, watch this. Watch my servant. He knew what he was made of. He knew what was in him. He knew what he, because he knew he had a relationship with him. You know, Job was so holy, so, so pressed in with God and with integrity. He, he would, every day he would sacrifice and sacrifice even for his children just in case they would have sinned. Just in case. That's the type of man that Job was. And God said, have you considered him? You can't beat him. It's like he can't beat us. You see, in one aspect, thorns are messengers of Satan, but in others, they're messengers of God. It's all who you listen to. Who are you listening to in your trial? Are you listening to the voice of the enemy saying, you can't make it, you'll never make it, you'll never amount to nothing, you're not going to make it through this thing? Are you listening to God? I'm going to bring you through. I'm taking you to the next step. I'm lifting you higher. I'm raising you up. See, who are you listening to in your trials when you're going through stuff? It's up to you. You're going to get both voices. But who are you going to listen to? See, Paul didn't blame God, and he didn't give up. He kept going, moving, driving, reaching, giving, and he was chasing God. He didn't quit. I got three points to give you real quick. Number one, thorns cause us to pray. Man, when you get a thorn in your life, it brings you to your knees. The power of the thorn will cause us to pray. See, it was here that Paul shows us his own desire to pray because of the pain of the thorn. Three times he tries to get deliverance from his thorn. Tell your neighbor, you got to pray. Tell the other side, you got to pray. See, he prayed persistently until God spoke to him, and God said to him, no, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to take it away. It's going to stay with you, but I'm sufficient. Then he stopped praying for it. See, but what I want you to understand, he prayed specifically for the th thing that troubled him. You've got to be specific. See, some men and women pray in general, and they never get anything specific. See, trouble and distress should drive us to God instead of away from God. But you've got to pray specific. If we pray in general, that's the kind of prayer you're going to get. You've got to be specific in your pain, specific in your trial. Instead of praying, God, deliver me from this trial. I can't handle it anymore. No. Pray, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me in this thing? How are you trying to grow me in this thing? Who do you want me to teach this to? That's what God's trying to do. It's all how you pray. You've got to be specific. See, it should cause us to pray and not complain. Sometimes we get in, in the presence of God and we whine. Bunch of whiners. God don't like to listen to that stuff. He, he didn't cause us to be timid. You know what timid means? Lack of courage. He called us to be courageous. He said, pray like I taught you to pray. Don't cry. You need, you need a little bottle or what do they call it? Pacifier? A binky? I don't know what you guys call it. In Tagalog they call it day day. You get your day day, you know. <laughs> but whatever it is, get that out your mouth and begin to pray to God. 
Don't be a whiner. Don't be a crybaby. God's raising up men and women for his purpose. See, we come to the throne of grace and we turn it into a judgment bar accusing God. God, you. God, why? God, this. God, that. We're attempting to arraign God. We're putting him on trial. See, we only want to grab the horns of the altar, but we don't want to grab the thorns of the altar because we get cut. See, when you grab a thorn, you're going to get hurt. You're going to feel the pain. But you're not going to get to the horn without the thorn. We need to understand that. You're not going to make it to glory without going through some stuff. It's not that easy. If it was easy, the, the path wouldn't be narrow. The wide path is the easy path. Oh, yeah, let me just get drunk. Let me use drugs. No problem. I don't going to feel no pain. I'm going to kill it. No, no, no. God called us to go through the pain. Go through the trial. Go through the thing. And whatever you go through, God's going to give you strength through it. But we won't act like that baby in the back. The baby got an excuse. It's a baby. She can cry all she wants to. Build those lungs, sister. Preach the gospel. Come on. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. See, the principle is shown back in the book of Nehemiah. When he prays specifically because of the thorns in his life. You don't have to turn to it. I'm just going to mention it. In Nehemiah 1, 4 through 11, we see that prayer was born out of distress because of a broken wall, a broken nation, a broken people. See, he's seen the brokenness of others and he began to pray. That's how our prayer should be. That we see what God sees. And we see there's people hurting, people broken, a nation falling apart. That's when we pray. I remember when we took over the church in Manila. San Pedro was booming. Man, we started San Pedro and we're out there. The first seven months, man, we had 70 people already. It was taken off. We started with five. I bought seats. God filled them in a couple months. And we were in double service. Thing was popping, 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 popping. We, were moving. we had to go get a bigger building. Everything was moving. Things were great. Things were going. And then I was asked to go back to Manila. I've never told my leaders no. Whenever my leader asks me to do something, I'll do it. Whatever it is. If I'm physically hurt, I can do it. If I can make it, if I can get out of bed, I'm going to do it. No problem. So I was asked to go back to San Pedro with my wife and my new daughter. When we got to San Pedro, what we found was a broken people, broken walls, something hurting, something that needed God. We ended up wandering in the wilderness we didn't have a place after a while. We, we were in this uh, basketball place and this basketball court. We were like going all over the place and we were losing people, man. It was like crazy. Talk about a thorn. Going from a ministry that was booming and then going to this ministry where everybody hated me. Amen. No, I don't know if they hated me. Some of them did probably. Because we grew up together, there was just a different, you know, it was different. So there's a, bit, a lot of problems because, you know, things that took place, I'm not going to mention them. A lot of things happened. It was all bad. Boom, we went there, tried to go over, tried to make it happen. Working, working, laboring, toiling, wandering, 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 and praying, and praying, and wandering, and praying. And, uh, we lost two-thirds of our people. We were praying for a broken wall, a broken nation, a broken people. Praying and wandering. Praying and wandering, wanting to give up and say, No, I gotta pray, I gotta wander. I gotta pray, I gotta wander. It was hard, it wasn't easy. In Nehemiah chapter 9, we see prayer that focuses on the goodness of God. And whenever you're going through that type of trial within your life that is so great, so horrendous, you can't deal with it, you gotta pray on the goodness of God. You gotta remember the goodness of God. See, when you begin to do that, it lifts our spirit and builds our faith. See, today is not the darkest day of your life. Far from it. See, there is a God who answers prayer and still pours out blessings. 
that we are not able to contain. In Nehemiah 13, and through the chapter, we see that the prayer is centered on remembrance. Four times in chapter 13, the word remember is used. Tell your neighbor, I am not forgotten. I'm not forgotten. No matter how, how hard the trial seems or the thorn, how big the thorn is in your life, you're not forgotten. And then I began to remember the goodness of God. I began to think about what took place before. I began to think when I was the men's home director in Manila. And I began to remember having 55 guys in the home. Now, you guys in the home know that we share everything, right? Well, we, somebody brought one watermelon. One watermelon. 55 guys. So I told the guys, we're going to see a miracle here. We're going to pray, and God's going to give us enough. Because our God is more than enough. So we prayed, and I told our home director, June at the time, the, the national I raised up, he was directing at the time. I said, okay, just cut one piece at a time and give it away. One piece at a time and give it away. One piece at a time, give it away. Every dude got a piece of watermelon. It was only this big. 55 chunks of watermelon. And I got two pieces because I was in charge. But see, that's how God met our knees. And God began to bring me back to, oh, look what I did there. And then I began to remember, oh, yeah. And the same 55 guys, a little later on, we had no food. We had no food. I gave the last of the rice. And Filipinos love rice. Bigas, they love it. And they love it. You get every meal, rice. And that was all we had left. Rice. Because before that, like the day before, I gave the home director all the money we had left. I said, stretch it, bro. <laughs> it wasn't much, a few pesos. So I come home, and the boys got chicken heads boiled in, in a pot. Chicken heads! I said, I'm fasting today. Okay. <laughs> Later on for dinner, chicken feet. I'm still fasting. I asked him, bro, when are we getting the body? <laughs> then the next morning, the little bit of rice we had left, we ate it. And all the guys ate rice. I had a little bit of rice. And we pretended it had meat. <laughs> it was like a wish sandwich. You wish you had meat. You know, kind of like that. And then we began to pray. I said, guys, we've got to pray. There's no money. And I started sweating. I started going through... You know, sometimes you, you start trying to do things in the flesh, thinking, well, how could I do this? And how could I do, what do I got the pawn? And what, how, how am I going to make it work? And finally, I got to the point in my prayer where I said, you know what, God? What am I tripping for? These are your guys. Not my guys. You brought them in the home. If you want them to stay, you feed them. And I gave up. I just walked away. 30 minutes later, there was a knock on the door. And this is actually my wife's old ministry. That's how I met her. Ooh, two blessings in one. <laughs> God knows how to provide, man. Anyway, there was a knock at the door, and they had sacks upon sacks upon sacks of rice. They had bags of food. They had boxes of meat, things we never got to buy for ourselves. But that's the God we serve. Oh, I forgot to mention, the van was broke down because we needed a new battery. And we had to walk miles and miles to get to church. Here I am with a bunch of soldiers. We're walking to church, not complaining, walking miles in the heat, getting to church, sometimes the floods. And then they left out the place, and they gave, the guy gives me an envelope. I just put it in my pocket, forgot about it, thanked him, and God bless you, and we all prayed, and that was it. Then I go back in the closet to pray, and God says, I'm not done with you. Look in the pocket. So I pull out the envelope, and there was 3,000 pesos, exactly what we needed for a new battery for the, tra the van. That's how God rolls. 
So I began to think of these things and, oh man, God, you did it before. You're going to do it again. We need a building, God. So we began to walk the streets of Manila. Man, we're walking. I'm taking my leaders with me, not the home. I'm taking my leaders. I say, come on, guys. We got to walk. We got to find a spot. And we're walking and we're walking and we're remembering what God did. And all of a sudden we see a theater. Tore up. But that's not the theater I saw. I saw something different in the spirit. Some Filipino ladies here was the Scala Theater. They used to use it for porn. Remember that? It was a porn theater. So we, we go in there. I didn't have no money. No money. No money. Everybody say no money. How many know you don't need money when you're walking in the kingdom? I went and I talked to the owner. I said, hey, we want to rent this building. He goes, but look at it. I go, don't worry, we'll fix it. We got this. We don't have no money to fix it, but eh, we'll fix it. We got it. Just give us the first month free. We'll, we'll fix it up. We didn't have enough pain. We didn't have nothing. We didn't have nothing. It was tore up. Cockroaches this big, okay? People living in there I had to kick out. <laughs> so we get in there, I, and he gives us a building with no money. So we began to fix it. We're fixing it, fixing it, and still wandering, but fixing. Wandering and fixing. Wandering and fixing. Our first service, we open it up. It's painted. We fix the stage a little bit. It was looking, starting to look halfway decent where we could bring people in. We're like, I don't know how we got electricity. I think we stole it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We, we got the electricity. But we're in there. And we had a special event. We had like a little puppet show. We had singers. We had this. We had you know, a little event going on. Guess what? Our first service, 650 people. We grew like that to 250 plus easy. Just because we were able to trust God and walk in faith. Through the thorn. Through the pain. Through the suffering. That's how God works. You got to go through it. To get to it. And what funny, what's funny is it was a, a porn theater birthed out of a thorn theater where you can go to the horns of the altar. That's kind of funny. Maybe they'll bleep it, I don't know. Number two. Thorns bring dependence upon God. Your thorn will bring dependence on God. See, the thorns in my life personally caused me to depend on the grace and mercy of God. When I am weak, then I'm strong. That's one of the greatest paradoxes of Scripture. Out of our weakness comes strength. Out of inability comes ability. Out of a burden comes growth. Out of hunger comes revival. Out of doubt comes faith. See, I'm going to read the Beatitudes from the Message Bible. So if you have the Message Bible, you can follow along. Matthew 5, 3 through 12. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you there is more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. His food and drink in the is the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. You're blessed when you get in your inside world, your heart and your mind put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment of God or to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit you. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. 
So you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer, even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. That's awesome. That's awesome. See, one of the perplexities of life comes out of the compelling love of Christ. That no matter what we're going through, Christ loves us. No matter what we've done, Christ loves us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. It's the love of Christ that gives us purpose. It's the love of Christ that gives us vision. It's the love of Christ that gives us the anointing. It's the love of Christ that causes us to do great exploits. Out of your own weakness, He supplies the strength. I remember going to a government rehab there in the Philippines. And it was, you know, secular rehab. And, you know, I met the commandant there. And we were just introducing Victory Outreach to the Philippines. And I went and I said, we want to come in here and minister. And he goes, where would you like to minister? The worst. We want the worst guys you got. We don't want the easy guys. We want the worst guys. That's how we roll. So they brought us to the worst compound that they had. There was roughly 300 guys there. And I got there, and I had an interpreter, and I began to preach the gospel. Now, no one would come out. But there was a guy in a cage. Everybody say a guy in a cage. He was all alone for a reason. He was demon-possessed. And he was over there yelling and screaming. He knew my name. He began to curse me. And the guys inside were listening. They were looking out the windows. And I said, in Jesus' name, shut up. And he dropped. Boom. Everybody came out. Everybody came out. Everyone got saved that day because of the power of Almighty God. I was, in, I was going through trials during the time, which I always did over there. I was a home director. I couldn't get nobody in the home. This was our first year. I couldn't get anybody to stay in the home because God was dealing with me. And I was going through some stuff. You know, well, am I called here? Should I be here? And then I go in there in my biggest trial, and boom, God moves. And 300 of those dudes got saved. The next week I went in there, the commandant calls me to, he goes, what are you doing over there? I thought I was in trouble. I go, I don't know. I'm just preaching the gospel. You know, what are you going to do, lock me up? And he goes, no, because they're asking for Bibles. They want to be, dis- be discipled. They want to have more Bible studies. I said, praise the Lord, then we'll give them more Bible studies. Give them the Bibles. We're going to change men's lives in this place. Then pretty soon we had it opened up. They were giving us the liberty to bring all these guys out and do big forms with all of them. And God was moving in the government rehab. And this is a place where they make you kneel on rice if you're bad. And they beat you if you're bad. But God began to get a hold of these men out of my greatest trial. Never forget, we're just sinners saved by grace. We're nothing without Christ. Our our dependence is upon God. See, when we took shotgun to Cape Town, you've got to remember, man, we all went there and we came back and this church got hit. We got hit. Every single one of us. Some slipped away. We lost some people because they didn't know how to handle the hits. Let me tell you something. We're going to get hit. We're going to go through trials. We're going through this stuff. But God, but we're going the right way. You know, God knows what he's doing within our lives. They're still reaping from that. Guess what? We're going to be doing shotgun in August. We're not done with shotgun. We're going to be hitting cities around here in December. We're going back to Cape Town. Why? Because we were effective. The play was effective. God moved through it. They're still riding the wave of shotgun in Cape Town. Why? Because we we sacrificed. We went. We did what we had to do. And we're going to do it again. But don't fall away. Depend on God. Don't depend on this and depend on that and trust yourself. No, keep the disciplines in your life. Continue to pray. Continue to fast. Continue to read your word and stay focused and stay dependent upon God. Because if we don't stay dependent on God, we're not going to make it. 
See, some didn't keep their dependence on God. See, like a fighter, we got to keep our hands up. Not like this, but like this. That's how we fight. We keep our hands up to God. God, I surrender everything to you. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, this is how I fight. It's not like this anymore. It's like this. Surrender to God. Total dependence. See, Peter's memory of his denial of Christ kept him dependent on God. David's memory of Uriah's murder kept him dependent on God. See, it's understanding that my life has an Achilles heel. I have to understand there's a weakness within my life. And if I don't stay dependent on God, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. You have to understand that. See, failure can happen in our lives in an instant, like that, unless we're dependent upon God. All my failures that I've done throughout the years, and believe me, they stack up. There's a lot of them. And all my failures, they keep me dependent on God. I'm not perfect. I'm so far from it. Ask my wife. But these failures keep me dependent upon God because I can't do it alone can't do it. There's always a potential for the sin factor. We've got to remember that. See, Paul's thorn was nothing more than God trying to keep Paul humble. I'm keeping you humble, dude. Because every time somebody pats you on your back, you get coconuticus giganticus. Your head swells up and you think you're all that. No! We're going to keep you humble with that thorn. Because you're not all that. You need me. That's what God's telling us. See, when God used to use me in ways that were supernatural, a big trial or a big storm would happen right away. That's the way it is. That's the nature of what we do. Does that mean we stop doing it? No. We do it more. We do it more. You know, when I was first over there the first year, I told you I was struggling and struggling and struggling. Couldn't get nobody in the home, and I was trying. I was out there, dude. Every day I'd hit the streets by myself sometimes. And I'd go out there and I'd try to get guys, try to get guys. And when I'd go through the biggest trials, what I would do, I would go to the hospital. And I would find, I would go to the children's ward where they have the cancer kids. And my heart would break for them. And I'd go lay hands on them, I'd pray with them, I'd comfort them, I'd feed them. And that's how I would get through my trial. So you've got to find ways to use ministry to get through your trial. Don't just sit there and sulk. No, let's go through it and make some, something happy, something positive. Yeah. Lastly, can somebody say amen to that? Thorns cultivate character, resilience, and fortitude. See, the thorns cause us to become shaped into the image of Christ. Thorns cause us to become shaped. See, as the outward man perishes, the inward man is being renewed day by day. The thorn is the shaping of character. The thorn allows us to bring that spring back into our spirit. So you've got to have that spring back. It's like those things you hit, those, uh, what do you call them? Remember they got the weight on the bottom, those little dummies we used to hit? Greg knows. He had a lot of dummies in his life. <laughs> but you know those little toys you know, for kids when you learn how to fight. You hit it, bam, and we're knocked down, come back up. That's the kind of guys we need to be, the kind of girls we need to be. The devil hits us, we don't stop, we don't fall down, lay down, we get back up. We get back up. It doesn't matter how many times you fall, it matters how many times you get up. That's what champions are made of. Getting back up and learning how to fight, not like this, but like this. The thorn is a shaping. See, the thorn gives us courage in pain. The thorn cuts away the flesh. That's what thorns do. They give you courage. That's what I'm talking about, the thorns of the altar. Let me learn, Lord, to grab the thorns of the altar, no matter what I'm going through, because you're going to shape my character. You're going to give me courage. See, the thorn helps us understand the grace of God. The grace of God is sufficient when friends forsake you. The grace of God is sufficient when your enemies come after you. 
The grace of God is sufficient to make you strong even when you're persecuted. The grace of God is sufficient for broken relationships. The, the grace of God is sufficient for broken hearts. The grace of God is sufficient when your bank account is zero. Sufficient to let you move forward even when your body and your emotions are in so much pain you think you can't take a step. That's the grace of God. No matter what you're going through, no matter how bad it hurts, you can still move forward. I read this quote and I wrote it down. To estimate the greatness of a man's life, you have to understand the hardship the man had to face to accomplish his tasks. I'll say it again. To estimate the greatness of a man's life, you have to understand the hardship the man had to face to accomplish his tasks. How great do you want to be in the kingdom? How great do you want to be to your family? How great do you want to be in this church? You're going to go through some stuff. It's going to get hard at times. But we have to remember the power of Almighty God, no matter what we're going through. Understand the sufficiency of God. The little boy only had five loaves and two fish, but it was sufficient. Moses only had a rod in his hand, but it was sufficient. David only had a small slingshot, but it was sufficient. The widow only had a little oil and meal, but it was sufficient. There was only one cloud the size of a man's hand, but it was sufficient. At the wedding in Canada, there was only water, but it was sufficient. In Manila, we only had one watermelon, but it was sufficient. Because God is a sufficient God. Whatever you bring to the table is sufficient. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how small you think it is. It's big in God's hands. It's sufficient. In the face of your own difficulty, in the light of your own trial, in the hopelessness of your own life, there's always the grace of God. And it's sufficient, my friend. I like what Pablo Picasso said. Any artist can paint what is. Good artists can paint what once was. But only masters can paint what shall be. See, when I look into your faces... I see partially painted disciples. But what I pray is that you will begin to see what God sees in your life, what will be. Not what is right now, but what will be. Because the master's hand is on your life. The master's hand is touching your life. Through every trial, through every storm, through every thorn, it doesn't matter because God's hand is on you. The master's with you. He sees the future. He doesn't dwell in the past. Don't become frustrated or disheartened with the thorns of your life because they are being used for not as you are, but as you were, but as you someday shall be. See, it's a process of thorn bearing. It marked the life of Paul. Don't avoid the thorns, excuse me. Welcome them. Welcome them. My Bible says God will never give me more than I can handle. When I was out there, I would remember one thing that Pastor Steve would always say. It kept me on the battlefield. When under the gun, don't run. God will never give you more than you can handle. So no matter what I was going through, God thinks I can handle it. I guess I can. I guess I can. I see it must be time. Get on the ground here. I want to share a story. I got more stuff. It's getting late. I know you guys don't want me here too late. But see, I learned a long time ago that thorns are not to destroy me, but they're there to equip me. They're there to empower me. My daughter <clears throat> was born in the Philippines. And the day she was born, they said there's all kinds of problems. She has heart problems. She has this problem. She has that problem. They said she wasn't going to make it through the night. They said she probably will die. 
And immediately, in the biggest trial of my life, I walk outside the hospital. I began to weep and walk the streets of Quezon City, Manila, or Philippines, excuse me. And I began to walk the streets. And I began to cry out to God, why? Why would you allow this? Why would you do this? She's not going to make it. And God said something to me. He said, whose report are you going to believe? You take her out of that hospital. So I went to the person in charge. I said, I'm taking, I'm checking my daughter out. You can't do that. She can't make it. She can't breathe on her own. She can't this, she can't that. And I looked at I go, get the head doctor out here. And, and, and this doctor was a lady. She kept saying the same thing. I said, listen, Dr. Satan. My daughter's leaving today, and I don't think you're big enough to stop me. I don't think anybody in this hospital is big enough. I'm taking her. Well, you've got to take her in an ambulance, fine. But I'm taking her, and I'm doing it now. And I called her Dr. Satan, because I knew it was the, uh, the lie of the enemy. Because God spoke to me. Whose report are you going to believe? So we went all the way to another city, the city of Manila. She was born in Quezon City. By the time we got to PGH in Manila, on Taft, she started breathing on her own before we even got out of the ambulance. She started to be vibrant. She started to come to life. So we took her in there, and they said, oh, she's okay, she's going to be all right. She's got issues, but she's going to make it. That was tough, but she made it. Then we come here, because they couldn't help her there, because she had stuff with her knees and her back. Her back was like this. How many degrees? 51 degrees, no, more than that. It was like this, curvature of her spine. And her knees weren't even connected. Her legs weren't connected. Something the doctors here have never seen. They've seen the spine thing, but they go, well, we're going to do the spine first because she could die if we don't do that. So we're going to do work on her spine. So they fixed her spine. Usually they have to jam in the rods with hammers. They said, we were praying. And I prayed with the doctor before he went in there. I prayed with him. And he said they just slid right in. Unheard of. She healed fast. She wouldn't even take the pain meds. I said, give daddy the meds. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> then she went through that trial. She went through that. Then she had to go through six more surgeries on her knees. The surgeon didn't want to do the surgery because he said, we've never seen anything like this. We don't know if we can help her. So we asked him, well, if she was your daughter, what would you do? He goes, I'll figure it out. He figured it out.